Protestants worship God through their spirit-filled worship services, fellowship, and Bible studies. Catholics worship God through their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house who fight over who God loves more just because he gave us different colored rooms. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. But it doesn't have to end this way. If we want to beat the enemy, Protestants and Catholics must join forces. But how? Stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are the same. We are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. There are 120 million Protestants and Catholics in America. Imagine if we stopped fighting each other and started fighting the enemy and his evildoers. Imagine if we all pointed in the same direction, back towards God. Imagine if we started voting for laws that align with God's laws. What would happen? We believe that God's hand of protection and favor would heal our land and bring us back to one nation under God. We like this idea so much, we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians share shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their lives and what happened next. Grab your pen and paper because in the next few minutes, you're going to learn how to increase your faithfulness, your fruitfulness, and your fulfillment in God's kingdom. Let's go. Today, my featured guest is Merrill Hutchinson. Uh, he is a life coach and president of Rock Solid Families. You can find him at rocksolidfamilies.org. Now, Merrill and his wife, Linda, have been married for over 34 years. They have over 60 years combined experience in teaching, counseling, ministry, coaching, and public speaking. After much prayer, Merrill and Linda made the decision in 2018 to step down from their full-time position in the church and public school system to focus on strengthening families. Both of them believe that healthy schools, churches, and communities to depend on strong and healthy homes and are committed to uh, in helping educate, equip, and empower families to be all God created them to be. Now, I was just on Merrill's show literally minutes ago, uh, and it's a guy show. It's called Strong Dad. So if you're a dad and you want to be strong spiritually, um, really go step in and listen to that show. Download it. Listen to possibly the episode I just did. Uh, if you want to get some, you know, punches in the throat, you know, and uh, really step you into what does it actually look like to to lean in um, to the calling God has for you in your vocation as a father and a husband. We hear so often like, hey, you're the spiritual leader of the home. You need to like go in and be a spiritual leader. And our pastors tell us all the time and we're like, OK, OK, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. But then they don't tell us how. And that frustrates men over time. We're like, I tried. I don't have a roadmap. I don't have a blueprint. I'm exhausted. What's the point? And we just tap out, right? So hopefully Merrill, he's going to speak to you today, brothers, um, about that, what it actually looks like to create a rock-solid home 
And that means you as the man need to put all your faith in Jesus, who is your rock. I don't want to give away anything. Meryl, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Take 30 seconds, just fill in some of the gaps in your intro, and then I'm going to dig in with some questions, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for letting me uh, join your show here and just for you being on our show as well. It's good stuff. So, you know, um, when we talk with men, and, and I get to talk with men every day just in my own, people walk through the office door, um, you know, nobody's got their act all together, right? We're just, we're a work in progress. And uh, what's probably worse than not having your act together is acting like you do have it together. The great cover-up, right? And so the cover-up, part of what I'm always seeing is, you know, uh, men, at least in the area I work and they they cover up with either muscle, money, um, or any other material thing they can. And in our area, that's either big four-wheel drive pickup trucks or fast sports cars, you know? And, and so it's these kinds of things that, that like, oh, man, these are the great cover-ups. And what I also came to realize is I was filled with the covers, uh, cover-ups myself. Mm. Uh, and for me, it was more in the physical world of working out and strength building and that kind of thing. It was one of those things that I had a little natural inclination for. Um, and so it was like, well, at least I'm uh, a little stronger than you, or at least I'm a little better athlete than you, you know. Uh, and, and to then finally be beat down um, and to hit a rock bottom, and that's what happened in my life, to realize it ain't enough. What I got ain't enough. And, you, you know, uh, that's a lot of where my story came from of then the surrender. Like, well, what what do I do now? What's next? And so every man I work with comes in with a mask of some sort, you know, uh, and, and not intentionally. It's not like they come in and they like want to be a phony, uh, but they all come in with a great cover up. Mm. And but it's not covering up like it used to. <laughs> and that's why they've come to see me. So anyway. No, you know, that's, that's good. Like, that's good. Right. So wow. these masks of masculinity that we're all walking around with, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're all becoming wiser and, and saying, dude, that guy, man, he looks good in church. He's sitting there in the pew, but I know like right now he's cheating on his wife, man. I yeah. see it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, it's hard to hide, uh, the truth uh, of what's actually happening in our life. It's more and more difficult in this world of social media to hide your sins, to make them invisible, right? Because everything's visible now. Mm-hmm. And uh, men are walking around with pacifiers in their mouth, right? Mm-hmm. They're coping. Yeah. Like little babies sucking on their little sucker pacifier, and you know yours may look like porn, or mine may look like alcohol, or you know sex addiction, or the innocent one, workaholism. Ah, oh, I'm providing for my wife and kids. Oh, yeah. I'm doing yeah. it all for them. Yeah, but you're a crappy father, mm-hmm. and you're a worse husband. Yeah, but I'm doing it for her. I'm doing it for them. No. No, you're not. You're doing it for your own self-glory and the status that comes with it, just like I was. Right? So, Meryl, you get this. I get this. Before we get into it deep, deep, man, we're going to punch you in the throat here. 
We're warning you. We're warning you, but it won't be but us. We're, we're going to provide the first aid, right? That's we'll right. That's right. That's right. Aid. Yeah, we're not going to condemn you. That's from hell. We're going to convict you. That's from heaven, okay? And there's a very important distinction there. So before we get into uh, the story here, Meryl, uh, take a minute, share something personal about you. Now, very yeah. few people in your life, your work life, actually know, even if you're already very transparent. What's something they don't know? Well, a big part of my story was uh, uh, suffering from um, severe anxiety. And it's really the reason that I have faith today. It's really the reason that we do what we do at Rock Solid Families and Strong Dads. Um, and all of that started back when I was in my late 20s. Up until that point, I was so um, on target on the trail to be, I was a coach, I was a teacher, uh, I was a triathlete, um, I was kicking butt and taking names on multiple fronts, and sleep was something I really didn't even need, right? Like I could just go, go, go. And there was a ton of just pride in me. Not, and I would have never considered it pride. Um, I would have just considered it getting it done. I'm just getting it done. And, um, it was really a week after the birth of our first son, who was now 31 years old, um, that my world came falling apart. And it came falling apart just due to being exhausted. And out of nowhere, um, I had what I thought was a heart attack. Mm. And I was driving and I just, I didn't feel very good to begin with and started thinking like, oh, what the heck's going on with me here? And finally, I, I literally thought, like, I'm having a heart attack and I'm driving on the interstate. And I pulled off the side of the road. And the last thing I remember was just hanging my arm. I remember the conscious thought of hanging my arm out the window with the hopes that maybe somebody would recognize that there was a level of distraughtness going on here. And after that, uh, the next thing I recall was being in the back of an ambulance. And, um, they pumped me full of fluids. I came back, you know, um, tested blood sugar levels, all that. I ended up checking out. Everything was pretty good. And, and I, I refused to go to the hospital. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Because I'm strong, right? Because I don't need the hospital. I don't need that because I'm, I'm a tough guy. And your, your mask was on too tight. That's right. All right. <laughs> and I started from that day having panic attacks. I didn't really know what a panic attack was. Okay. So I'm, I'm 28 years old at the time. I really didn't know what a panic attack was, but I started having these every day. And when you have a panic attack, I'm not sure if you or any of your listeners have ever had a panic attack, but it is by far the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I don't ever want to experience another one. And, and I would have them every day and wherever you have a panic attack, um, it is so overpowering that it etches so the way we have a memory is if if you want to have a memory if it's etched in with an emotion it will become there for a long time okay so it's one thing if you remember something but it's another thing if you remember it and it's with an emotion like a car wreck or something like that sure and so every time you have a panic attack because the emotion is so high wherever you're at you now become phobic of that area 
And so mm-hmm. over the course of two years, my world went from being all that, right, out there doing it, coaching, teaching, doing all of these things to shrinking because every day you have a panic attack wherever you had one, you do not want to revisit that place. Just driving by uh, a restaurant mm. that I had a panic attack in. Nope, not going by that place again, right? And finally, you know, uh, it just got to a breaking point. And after two years, I just said, I'm, I'm done. But the surrender wasn't necessarily to God. It was a surrender to life. Like I didn't want to live anymore because it was exhausting. Like there wasn't a second of the day that I was not exhausted with this all consuming thought of panic and anxiety. And so let me ask you, where where was God in your life at that time? Were you actively, you know, in relationship with him? Was he you know, a, a long ways away. Where, where was God? Yeah. So I grew up Catholic, uh, uh dotted the, uh, hit the checkbox every Sunday, never missed a Sunday growing up, no matter where, where you're traveling or whatever, went to church. Um, and my high school years got more distant from God or from the Catholic faith started to just, uh, I was still went to church every Sunday, but I started to doubt a lot of things. There were some things going on, uh, my parents got divorced. Um, all these things kind of got messy. And I just really, God was, I did not, I would have not considered myself atheist or really even agnostic, but I certainly wasn't into practicing any kind of religion, especially wasn't going to be the Catholic faith at that time. Um, so at that point, it was just me trying to deal with me. It, mm. There was no real God in that picture. So how did it go? You trying to work on you and fix you after two years, you hit rock bottom. What'd you do yeah. next? I, uh, so we actually were traveling again and I had another panic attack. Uh, and this time we have our little boy in the back seat and we're headed down to South Carolina and I had a panic attack while driving and oh. I was so enraged. I pulled off the road. I got off of an exit and I just took the keys and I threw them off in the parking lot. And I said, we're done. I can't do this anymore. Of course, my wife's crying. My son's crying and I'm crying. And I said, I just can't do it. And my wife, who's a very tough lady, um, she's like, well, let me just finish driving. And I said, no, we're not going anywhere. This trip is over. I'm done. And she was like, what, what are you saying? I just said, I'm just telling you, we're not going anywhere. And so we sat in a parking lot for over an hour and finally I fell asleep and I fell asleep. I was in the passenger seat. I fell asleep and she went out and got the keys and she drove us to South Carolina. Smart and woman. Smart you know, she's a tough lady. Tough. <laughs> and um, anyway, when I, uh, through that process that week, I did very little sleep a lot, tried to heal. And I said, um, we got to do something we've got to do something because everything I'm doing, is not working. And that was my first step of surrender. It wasn't quite to God yet. No. Right. Cause I didn't quite know where God was in this picture. It wasn't quite a surrender to God. It was a surrender to just everything else yeah. of why isn't this working? But it is what led me then to um, really seeking out God. And, and my only, my brokenness in terms of my Catholic faith was I was never getting any answers there. 
Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that just was a major like turn for me was I had a gentleman invite us to, uh, it was a Protestant non-denominational church. And I was just so frustrated with the Catholic church. I said, yes. And when I'm there listening to this preacher, I'm like, what? That's in the Bible. And he's talking to me. And so for a while I was an angry, broken Catholic. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, are you serious? I went through Catholic schools. I'm 32 years old at this point, And I am now hearing things. And so I was a little frustrated there with my Catholic upbringing that the, somehow the education didn't, didn't continue and I wasn't seeking it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was really um, my walk and my faith came back through the, the, I don't even like to go down the Protestant road. It's just like, just like you said, like the commonality of our faith, you know, of just like, no, Christ is the answer, but I didn't know much about Christ. And so that was really the eye opener, a big, big change of surrendering, but knowing now who I was going to surrender to. And, Mm -hmm. um, and you don't surrender to an enemy because an enemy will slit your throat. Right. And so that's no come hell or high water. I'm not surrendering. But when you finally feel like the person you're going to surrender to, has got your best interest at heart and you've got no other choice. You go, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to surrender here. And it was, it was life changing, not just for me, but our entire family. Um, because then I was able to actually, you know, pray without ceasing and it made sense and, and to live that and not to be perfect. That's not at all. I think sometimes that's where us guys get all messed up and thinking that being Christian is about being holy and righteous and it's, it's about being real and giving all the glory to God and, and, and learning from the way that Christ came out as a man and showed us how to be God-like mm-hmm. and, and taking on those mannerisms of, of grace and forgiveness and, and those kinds of things. So it was just, it was a whole different walk than I had experienced up until that point in my faith. Mm. Powerful story, BC Nation. You know, Merrill, uh, obviously, lots of commonality between uh, your past and mine. And, you know, being taught as children the religiosity of our denomination, um, but not so much the relationship. Yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. components of it. And God in his mercy, he'll use whatever means to get to us, right? He Mm. pursues us, right? They call God the hound of heaven, right? And he (laughs) pursues us relentlessly uh, wherever we go because he loves us. And I remember in my own, when God pursued me, it was through my Southern Baptist buddies um, Mm. where I got invited to something and I was so tapped out. I was like, I mean, I was chasing girls, as you know, at that time. And my buddy, the way he got me, he was like, dude, there'll be like, uh, 100, uh, (laughs) really pretty single girls there at this event. And it was a worship service. And, uh, I was like, what time, you know, (laughs) I had no, I had no interest in going to worship God. Uh, but it got me there. And, and sometimes, you know, BC Nation, as you're listening right now, God will use even your brokenness to get your attention, um, and he'll bring good out of it. And sometimes we don't think, oh, God will come into my darkness because he's God, he's perfect, he's light, so he can't enter my darkness. He doesn't want to be around me when I'm sinning. And this is a lie of the enemy. 
because I believe like we're making God into our image and likeness. Making him For small, sure. like he's constrained by our sin. Like somehow yeah. our sin is going to pollute him or contaminate him. When in fact, he's actually steps into our darkness, our sinfulness, and our sinful world. That's why Jesus came from heaven, paradise, into mm-hmm. a sinful world to save us sinners and then lift us um, and restore us in relationship that we're made in his image and likeness. He's not made in ours and, and calls us to something greater, right? So I really like in your story um, that God allowed you uh, to get failed by the world, for the world to fail you. Like he allowed it, right? Yeah. You're, you're super successful in multiple verticals of your life, you're invincible, your energy is insane, you, you don't even need sleep, and then <laughs> you run out of self mm. all yeah. of a sudden. And then not only that, but God allowed you to experience not just anxiety, but severe panic attacks that are, were crippling. Mm. So he allowed you to feel powerlessness without him. Mm-hmm. And so many times we're like, am I being cursed? What's going on? No, this is the love and tenderness of a father who's disciplining his son or his Mm -hmm. daughter yeah, because they're not getting it and he can't get their attention any other way. So God got your attention through panic attacks. Yeah, you, right? Mm -hmm. Not what you would have chose, I'm sure. And I still don't want to choose it, right? (laughs) You still don't want to choose it. But man, he brought you back to him slowly but surely. Yeah. The greatest place a man can be, Joseph, for any of your guys out there who are listening, because when guys come into me, I I deal with broken situations every day. That's what we do for a living. And I see big old guys coming in just blubbering and crying and hurt. And I make this statement and they almost want to get up and punch you. Because I say, you are in the best place you could ever be in your life right now. Yeah. You are broken. Now take it for all it's worth. Quit running from the brokenness. Take it all in. Feel every ounce of that pain. Own that pain. It sucks. Every bit of it. Do not try to minimize the pain. Maximize it. Tell yourself how bad it is. Because that's going to be the fuel that makes you do something different and more powerful than what you've been doing to this point. Because up to this point, you've done nothing but feed yourself lies. You've done nothing but buy the lies that the world wants to sell you. So brokenness is the best place that you can start. It's not the place you want to stay, right? Whenever we break a bone, all right, it's got to stabilize. We've got to put a cast on it, all right? And that cast is there to help eliminate all the external forces because it won't heal well if all these other forces start hitting it again. So when you're broken, stabilize. Right. And that's where you surrender. Like, I can't do it anymore. And you, you, you slow your life down. And, and that's when you start like, okay, I'm finally talking to God. Mm. I never talked to God. Mm-hmm. Now I'm talking to God. I'm praying because I don't know the answers. Mm. And so brokenness is the most beautiful place a guy can be or a lady can be. Any of us can be not a place I want to live, but definitely a place I want to visit all right. I never want to go back to panic attacks ever, ever, ever again in my life because they mm. suck that bad. Mm. But I'm so blessed that they were part of my story because mm. they have then 
just uh, vaulted me into things I would have never dreamt of. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's not like it's all, you know, peaches and roses and all that stuff, but it's just like a whole different view, a whole different mindset of life came from the brokenness. And man, that's a gift. That is Mm -hmm. a gift. Do not run from that brokenness. Take it all in and, and just be willing to listen to it. BC Nation, we're speaking with Merrill Hutchinson. Uh, you can find him at rocksolidfamilies.org. And he's talking about brokenness not being a curse, but being a blessing. Brokenness not being an end, but being an, a fresh new start. It's a reset for your life. It's a detour from the path that you've been going that isn't working. And God just put up a stop sign, a roadblock, and says, <laughs> Son, you, daughter, you're headed to a cliff. I needed to hard stop you. And yeah, it felt like a two-by-four upside your head. I'm sorry. I didn't want to, but I had to get your attention. Mm. And it was the only way to make you stop running towards destruction, just like me, towards eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. And God will use whatever means. I mean... Meryl, you're a dad. I'm a dad. There's dads listening right now. There's moms listening. And think about it. Your kid, the ball, you kick him the ball, and the ball goes out right past him into the street. They don't look both ways. They just react. They run into oncoming traffic. What do you do? Do you gently and politely say, hey, Peter, Pete, Sammy, Susan, please stop running. No, you see impending fatality coming at them like a semi-truck. So what do you do? You grab them with force and a little violence and hostility and yank them backwards in an opposing direction. You become an opposing force to their forward momentum. But their forward momentum is not good. It's heading to their death. And this is how God shows up in our lives sometimes, like this forceful, aggressive father that smacks us upside the head. And we're like, God, why'd you hit me? He's like, because I didn't want the truck to hit you. Yep. Yep. My hand is softer. You know, and this is what we forget is that when we're in the storms of life, the detours of life, the bottom out rock bottoms of life, this is where God comes to meet us. And it's, we have a choice now, keep going our own way or actually shift now, surrender like Merrill surrendered and say, God, the rest of my life's yours. I screwed it up, man. I don't actually know what I'm doing and I finally admit it. But whatever you do, brother, don't go further down. Sister, don't go further down. Meryl, you said this about some clients that come to you. I've experienced it myself. You turn to your wife and you're like, Honey, like how much further do these people want to fall? How much more pain can they actually take? (laughs) Like to me, this looks like their rock bottom. But for whatever reason, they still won't let go of the ego and the pride. They need to go further apparently. Mm. I get that all the time with clients. And I'm like, dude, stop here. (laughs) Well, it's, it's a great, it is a great indicator of who is on your throne. Right, so we reward ourselves with the pat on the back for how uh, persevering we are and how uh, our intellect and our ability to problem solve. And so, while those can be great attributes, they are not your God. And if they are your God, you will find them come up coming up wanting, they will come up short. And you know, it is for that reason, like that 
your gifts, such as intellect or perseverance or strength, whatever it is, can quickly become your false God. Oh, I've always been able to do this before. I know I'll get through it again. And, and that's the work of Satan. You know, mm-hmm. we are to take these gifts. I know in your story, Joseph, you have the, the gift of being able to make money and to run businesses and to do those things. And those became your God. And they're not your God. They're yeah. just attributes that you put up on a throne. And I want you, to add to that uh, resiliency and self-reliance. I was awesome at and they were false gods and they were the very stumbling blocks keeping me from god taking over my life was yeah. my need to i'm an always get back upper yeah. i will yeah. turn this around i will do it in my strength and it became my biggest achilles heel hmm. and let me ask just an honest question for you is it still a challenge for you Honestly and authentically speaking, no. Um, It's not even a temptation anymore. Mm. And I only say that not because of anything I did, but because I fully surrendered to God Mm. that area, those false gods. Then not only did I fully surrender, I gave him full permission and access to come in and remove them with his strength. And then I actually believed he would. I believed as if he already did it. And when I did those three in that order, God's power healed me once and for all from the thing, from the disease, from the infection. Mm-hmm. That's and- the secret formula. We don't need to live with these temptations. So if you struggle with porn addiction, if you struggle with workaholism, anger, rage, you don't need to live with it the rest of your life, even when you're in God's kingdom and just think like, oh, this is the thorn in my side. I think we use that phrase from Paul way too much like a crutch. Mm-hmm. Right. And he may have been referring to something completely entirely different than what we're referencing in our own life. Mm-hmm. See, God doesn't allow us just to experience a sin as a thorn in our life. He wants to heal us from the sin. Now, a thorn in our life might be our natural disposition or weakness intellectually. Um, maybe I'm not very academia-focused, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't do well in learning new things. It's not sinful, but that may be a thorn in my side that I need right. to constantly depend on and rely on God to advance me in his kingdom and expand the influence I have. But it's not the sin. See, God wants his sons and daughters completely healed from sin. You can't do it on your own. Meryl, you know this, I know this, but God can and he wants to. Yeah. Was that well, a clear coolest, answer? Yeah, well, so, so that's the coolest thing. Like when I say that, like, do you ever have that problem? And when you find that when you take yourself off of the throne, you experience freedom. Yeah, full heel, like full. Yeah, like like I feel so free now, free to be able to say, yeah, I had this problem, but it's not a problem anymore. Like it, you, because you're free of it versus managing it. Yeah, and right? the problem belonged not to you and I now because we're a new creation. The problem belonged to our old sinful nature, our That's old right, sinful yeah. self. That's a completely entirely different person yeah. after God heals you. See, yeah. this is the disconnect for a lot of people. We think, oh, I'm AA meetings. 
right? Though they're good, the 12-step program, fantastic, helps so many people. One of the biggest problems I still see in it, clients come to me and they're like, oh yeah, Joseph, I'm an alcoholic or whatever. I was like, when was the last time you drank? And they're like, oh, 12 years ago. You know, I'm 12 years sober. I'm like, you're not an alcoholic, bro. Right. That's right. something you struggled with years ago, but you're every time you say it out loud, you repeat that false identity back into your new identity. That's yeah. a problem. So if you're showing up to AA meetings and turning to someone else and speaking out into your reality, into the world, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a sexaholic, I'm a drugaholic, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're in digesting and internalizing the lie from the past into your present. Stop. Right. Stop yeah, doing it. You're minimizing the healing, and as like our, our preacher specifically, he was a, a, an alcoholic, and he's he says, "I never refer to myself as a recovering alcoholic. That's right. That's I am a recovered. I am a healed alcoholic, and that's that's a that's a gift, right? Like otherwise, you still you may not be as bound as tightly to the alcohol, but you still got this little binding. You know, you're still stuck. Like when you say, "I'm recovering," like it could creep back up on me. No, break free, break free. And and, and, and even more than that, you're, you're di- not only diminishing, but you're rejecting God's power that healed yes. you. Yeah. yeah. You're saying his power wasn't enough to heal you. You still carry a little residue. Yeah. You put him under your limitation. Yeah. There you go. You make him small yeah. in your image and likeness. Like yeah. God's not powerful enough to heal you from your alcohol addiction or sex addiction or drug addiction. Yes, he is. You just, your brain hasn't caught up with the healing miracle that he's already performed. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, such good stuff. And I mean, I think it's so, it's uh, this kind of type of conversation. Even if you're a guy who you're like, I don't know if I quite get it. It is just a practice of surrender. Yeah. Uh, on, multiple or even a single level of area that you struggle with just like i it's not that i don't care anymore it's that i can't do anymore there you, go. you know yeah i sure i care heck, heck I, yeah i care but i just can't do it's not of my doing and it, it's that whole idea of yes we are always to be doing we are to have faith with deeds but if you think it is your deeds that are going to keep you up and running and out of trouble and all of that you you have yourself on the throne mm-hmm. and we're we we grow up that way as men we are the achievers we are the doers right and, and those are great attributes but not when they're put on the throne that's it right yeah. and when, when they're on the throne and, and we get rewarded when they're on the throne oftentimes right like look how much money i made look how much prestige i have mm-hmm. look how much power so they get rewarded so from a worldly perspective here i am patting myself on the back to the to the thing that's going to destroy me mm, powerful and it's just like merrill here's a a good question what's been your number one secret best kept secret to trusting god uh, in difficult times, challenging times, the storms of life, when you want to, you're tempted to go back to self-reliance. Surrender. How do you do it? Surrender. Like um, you personally, how do you do it? Like a storm yeah. is happening in your life right now. Maybe there's cancer in a family member you love. Maybe it's a financial crisis. You completely feel powerless mm-hmm. in it. What specific steps do you take, one, two, and three, uh, to do that surrender to God? The, uh, the mind of an anxiety ridden person is one of, um, doubt and worry. 
what's going to go wrong next. This isn't going to work out. So it's, that's the self-talk that goes on in the mind of a person ridden with anxiety. So self-talk was always a big thing for me, especially I noticed it so much more when the anxiety just flared up. Mm -hmm. And so I had to understand that that was Satan's voice with my self-talk, right? And so my first way of surrender is being very intentional about it, okay? Meaning uh, this is my choice, right? Like love is a choice. God doesn't make us love. Also, how my brain operates is my choice, Mm. okay? And so I have a little mantra, all right, a little self-talk that I go through when I start to feel this, this, uh, oh, this is getting a little overwhelming, or this is a bigger task than I think I'm suited for or whatever. And it's just simply this, in the name of Jesus Christ, I give it all to you. That's my self-talk. I give it all to you. And when I know that just sounds like words, but when you internalize that to say, no, I give it all to you. And you do that and you breathe out and you go, I surrender. Mm-hmm. Right. That is now I no longer care about the physical outcome of whatever happens here. Okay. I, I can't care about it. I can't do that. I'm just going to let it roll. Whether the company goes out of business, whether the kids get in trouble, like I can't cover it. I give it all to you. And so that is my mantra that runs through my head. Yeah, you know what? I don't know, Lord. I give it all to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you carry me. And so learning that talk has become very critical to me really understanding who I am and who Christ is. So Merrill, right. to the man listening right now, that sounds too easy. And we mm-hmm. want to make things difficult when it comes to our faith and relationship with God. We want to complicate the simplicity of Jesus and his message and the Father's mm-hmm. love and compassion for us. What do you say to the man who's like, Merrill, that prayer is way too simple. Like, maybe he's a Catholic man. He's like, I need a whole litany. I need to read a litany every single time. <laughs> or maybe he's a Protestant you know, guy, and he's like, there's no perfect words or whatever. Like, I need to go do something, or I need to feel I need to feel uh, that peace immediately. And if I don't feel the peace, I'm not really connected with God. Mm -hmm. What do you say to these men? Be still. So our first thing that we're trained to do is whenever there's a fire, we're trained to get up and take action. Right. And action through emotion leads to dangerous things. So in other words, if all of a sudden I'm in a school building and somebody pulls a fire alarm, and we don't take time to calm the emotion. All the kids get up and they just fly out the building. People are going to get hurt. People are going to get trampled. There are going to be rash decisions made right there in the moment, all for good intention, right? Like nobody wanted to get hurt. Everybody wants to survive. But when you feel that fire, I talk about that all the time. We do fire drills in my work that I, I work with men. No, we need to do a fire drill, bud. And so when you feel that, your very first thing that you do is nothing. Sit down, shut up, calm yourself. Physically calm yourself and do nothing and let God speak to you. If you ask the question to yourself, God, what can you do for me? He will provide answers. We're just so freaking loud in our head that we don't even let God talk. We have to be the one that solves everything. And so 
the teacher who pulled, has a fire alarm pulled and takes 10 seconds, children, sit down, take a deep breath. You all know our plan. They get up and they walk out and they make it out of the building in less than a minute and nobody's hurt, nobody's trampled. Everything happens because Satan works in the crazy emotion of the human nature, but God works in the spiritual nature and he allows us to have our emotions in check, under control. We don't have to panic. We don't have to panic. And so, so much of what we see with guys making rash decisions is they're actually emotionally responding to an outside force. It's an emotional response. You, you say something to me, I emotionally come up and I jack you in the jaw. That's not hey, going to serve well. Why are you picking on Will Smith, man? Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that whole idea of uh, to, to say that prayer of I give it all to you, but then be still. Physically, I mean literally, like physically, you don't have to go do it. It's not your job to rescue. Sometimes we want to get up and we want to rescue. We see this with moms all the time. You know, the little boy's out and then he's climbing the tree a little too high. You know, sit down, mom. Take a deep breath. He's going to be fine. No, no. I've got to go take care of him. No. Be still. So anyway, I would say really like when we talk about prayer, that whole idea, like then we have to put it into action. And sometimes the action is not doing something. Mm -hmm. All right. Allowing it to go wherever the good Lord's going to take it. If that makes sense. You know, that makes total sense. For action. Yeah, I think that makes total sense is learning um, the strategy of active stillness, mm. active stillness, right? The only action God wants you to take when there's a crisis and a storm in your life most of the time is be still, actively be still, and know that he is God. Surrender yep. it to him. He's got it. He'll let you know if there's what the actual drill is. He'll let mm -hmm. you know when to get up, mm -hmm. when to act, when not to act. But first, you got to be still. You got to yep. be that student in the desk, in the classroom, waiting for the teacher, God, to give you the mm -hmm. instructions. Yeah. I agree completely, Merrill. All right. We're speaking with Merrill Hutchinson. Uh, he runs an awesome life coaching organization for families called rocksolidfamilies.org. You can find them there. Go check them out. Uh, Merrill, being you are born and raised a Catholic, you're going to love the next part of the show here, man. That's it's so called <laughs> Welcome to the Confession Round. We're going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game Ooh. show. Are all you right, ready? All right. Uh, I guess. Let's, let's roll. What's your favorite thing about God? Uh, peacefulness. Just yeah. peacefulness. Man. I, what's your least favorite thing about God? Discipline. <laughs> <laughs> True. I still don't like that discipline. I when will I ever get out of that? <laughs> that daddy love. God, stop yeah. loving me so much. All right. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged by or struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Uh, trying to step in and take over. We, I have uh, some different business ventures that have not gone at the speed that I want them to go. And that has been a constant surrender to me. 
um, over the last six months, it's like, and one of my jokes is, God, please start wearing my watch and take yours off because yours is broken. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, that's one of my battles of just like, when is it going to happen or what's going to happen or what direction it is. So uh, this world of instant gratification, I wanted it yesterday. I don't even want it now. I wanted it yesterday and I'm not getting it. So that's, that's one of the battles I struggle with. Mm. I was just reading uh, in the Bible today, I think it was Paul who said it, um, and I'm totally paraphrasing here, around God's timing. He said, uh, you know, people misunderstand uh, timing when it comes to God. Um, we look at it through the human lens of timing, like tick-tock, tick-tock, right? right? Which is a human constraint. We're bound by time and space. God is not. He operates outside of that. We all know that up in our heads, but so, but there's still a disconnect in our reality. Mm-hmm. So Paul says, uh, you know, we misunderstand God's timing. God's timing, the way it works, is God's patience with us. Mm-hmm. So the longer God's taking, the more patient he's being with us, Mm-hmm. in the growth that's needed in us. Yes. So yeah. if God's taking a long time with something in your life, that's his love pouring out and being extra patient with you because there's obviously something in you that he wants mm-hmm. to take in this specific area. Maybe for you in the businesses, it's that self-reliance. It's that go right. back to me, go back to me, or setting your own timelines rather than just like there is no timeline. God, this is your project, yeah. so let me know. There's yeah. no need for a watch. It's like the Matrix. Mm-hmm. There is no spoon. There is no watch. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if you showed up in your projects with God that way. There is no watch. There is no timing. Yeah. There's just what's so and every day, what do you got for me? All right. What did you what are you most afraid of? Um probably uh just my own human nature, hmm. how um, my own human nature has not, it, it doesn't um, just go away. <laughs> I still have the desires of the flesh. I still, now we talked before you and I about, you know, whether you're a recovering alcoholic or a recovered alcoholic or, um, but I still find my human nature um, misleading me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a constant correction, or or me having the awareness to say, "Hey, dude, no, 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 that's your that's your flesh screaming." And so it's my own human nature that I'm concerned about because I I know that it can lead me astray, and I don't always have it in in good check. Mm. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Uh, probably uh, social media, and I'm not even a huge social media guy, but some of these silly uh, YouTube and stuff, I can just find myself like watching something and go, just be done. Be done with this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> what secret fear do you have about people? Um, you know, a big fear I have is not so much about an individual as much as the fear I have of people detaching more and more from God. And and so it's the direction of people that just is scares me. I know God's in control of that, but I also know he gives us free will and that free will allows us to turn. And I just see so many people turning. And I see that as a result of what's happening in marriages and families. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see how the culture is going, just look and see how marriages and families are going. Mm-hmm. They are your first building block 
of the society. And so uh, I'm just fearful that more and more people are not even, they're just sort of dismissing God. Like, yeah, you know, I guess there's a God thing, but they don't even know what that means. So that's, that's a true fear I have with people. Thank you for that. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Um, I wish I would have learned relationship. Um, I, I learned processes and procedures through my faith. And it was always about being good enough. And, and if you didn't do this, you'd, it was a sin. And so, mm-hmm. well, you, you better not die today because if you die today, you just did this and you're going to hell. And so it was so much performance-based. Um, and it just, it just wasn't, it doesn't play out healthy. It doesn't mean we don't perform. It doesn't mean we don't use our gifts. But to keep my faith in a performance base is is limited by my performance. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be my best all the time. And so I wish I would have known that a whole lot earlier. And uh, it's just it's frustrating that. Um, and, and it was my parents, too. Like, they're great people. But they that's how they taught it. That's how my church taught it. And it was just frustrating. What's a new habit you're going to create this year? This year? Hmm. Um, well, I didn't think specifically about that. Uh, a habit I am trying to build, and it just happens to be this year, is I'm cutting out a lot of carbs. <laughs> a lot of carbs. I, I just, one of my fleshly desires is sugar. And, uh, man, I can crave sugar like no one's business. And so I am really, I'm not carb free and I don't want to be carb free, uh, but I'm way backing off of the carbs. (laughs) That's awesome. What's a bad habit you're going to break? Um, the carbs. (laughs) Done. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, caring, um, strong in him. And, um, um, understanding Mm. like, um, and the understanding is, um, man, no matter who I work with, um, I quickly, just through my work, I'm able to sift through a lot of the the mask and Mm. really get into, yeah, scoot the facade off. And then I, I, you know, just by the nature of the beast, I'm able to help people um, not have to hide any longer and understand really who they are. So I think understanding has been just a, a blessing and a gift that I have. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, just digging in deep awesome. to that. Pick three words to describe who you were before, uh, you fully learned to surrender to God. A strong in me, uh, self-centered, uh, was going to be my selection first and, and anxious, and yeah, anxious for sure. And last mm-hmm. question, Merrill, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and your friends, your wife and your five kids in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about real relationship with God. What would you say to them? <laughs> I'm wearing this word out. Surrender to him. I would say surrender, just surrender, give up, give up. It's the greatest freedom you will ever experience. Stop the fight stop the fight all right Mel. this is the part of the show as we close uh where you get to give my audience bc nation a homework assignment 
What is one action that they must take this week in order to surrender to God? This week, I would ask you to actually spend a little time with God in silence, mm. just praying and listening. Just just take five minutes because most of us don't even do that, right? But the whole idea that if you are willing to say that there is a God, then this week, take five minutes. If you can take five minutes every day this week, then do that. Take five minutes and just say, God, I acknowledge your presence. I want you in my life. And just start to listen and start to soften your heart, right? So a hardened heart is a heart that after it's been hurt and bruised enough, we, we encapsulate it. I put a box around it because I'm tired of it being stomped. But the one thing we should not encapsulate our heart from is God. And mm -hmm. so to open it back up and to just start to let God penetrate your heart again. That is awesome. All right, BC Nation, that's your homework assignment this week. If you choose to accept it, if not, <laughs> hey, stop complaining. <laughs> this message will self-destruct in five minutes. I just watched Mission Impossible yesterday. It was awesome. All right. Uh, so, BC Nation, do you enjoy this show? If you do, go to iTunes or Stitcher or BrokenCatholic.com. Write a five-star review. Uh, be honest. Uh, write a review about Merrill. How did he show up today? What well, did God open up for you uh, through his story? This is God's story told through Merrill's life. Uh, mm -hmm. So go write a five-star review. Um, and let's do a quick shout-out. Uh, if you do write that review, I'll give you a shout-out on the show uh, live. So we're going to shout-out Flo4284. Flo4284. She wrote a nice five-star review called Wonderful Insights. I enjoyed listening to Broken Catholic Podcast. The everyday insights to a strong faith life is very helpful. I recently listened to the latest podcast, which discussed the concept of surrendering to Jesus. <laughs> I found, uh -oh. I found myself thinking about it throughout the next few days. What a wonderful concept. It has made me think about, am I really surrendering or rationalizing my behavior? Great common sense insights. Flow4284, thank you for your five-star review. And thank you for connecting with the surrendering uh, concept. We should um, have had her on the show with us. She was right step with us. I mean, talk about timely. Look at that. Yeah, Pretty yeah. awesome. I just picked a random one right there. That's what I do each week. Good. All right. So, Merrill, um, BC Nation, they want to get in touch with you. They want to find out more about the work you do. Um, where do they go? What do you got? For yes. You? So our, uh, our website for rock solid families is rocksolidfamilies.org. Um, we also have two podcasts that we do. I do a podcast with my wife called rock solid radio. Uh, and then uh, of course with my partner, Kyle, we do strong dads. And so those are uh, three different areas that you can catch us, catch up with us. If you, uh, we do a, a lot of our coaching work is with uh, individuals, marriages, and parenting type things. So if there's anything that we can help you with, you know, COVID taught us that you don't have to live in the same town. Uh, we do a lot of stuff through Zoom type sessions. So uh, feel free to reach out to us at rocksolidfamilies.org. And if we can help you, we certainly would love to do that. Merrill, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, my friend. Thank you very much. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked have you tried therapy have you tried 
coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.